Through the years, he has been the defender of America draped in the colors of the U.S. flag, seemingly indestructible, until now. Today, comic book fans snapped up and dove into the pages that marked the end of Captain America. That's when comic book hero Captain America was created to fight the Nazis and the Japanese and then many other threats to America in later years. But there is one fight this red, white, and blue hero apparently could not win, the battle to stay relevant. Hey everybody, this is Perch and I'm here with Joe Corallo. Hi. Hey. And we're digging into, uh, I think, one of the most uh, recently celebrated runs. That's uh, Brubaker's Captain America, which has pretty universal fond feelings uh, by most people. Is that what you say? Yeah, um, especially uh, the earlier, like, half of it. Like, um, <clears throat> everything up to, like, Civil War, even after Civil War with uh, Bucky taking over his, his cap, like, all, all of that stuff, uh, people have really fond memories of. Uh, I, I think a lot of people kind of fell off eventually. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, everyone that the, that like first like twenty five issues of Cap in particular, I think everyone's like it. Yeah, they really brought Cap back, and uh, they <laughs> mined a lot of material for all three uh, MCU Cap movies from from this run. Um, even even the first movie, which um, you know, even it's, though it's the origin, there's so much flashing back, and they take sure. a lot of that. And the characterization of Bucky in those flashbacks from from Brubaker's run. The Winter Soldier Saga. We begin with Captain America's arch enemy, the Red Skull. He's stalking Captain America and has the Cosmic Cube, an artifact with the power to warp reality itself. But before he can use it, Red Skull is murdered and the cube is stolen by the Winter Soldier, an assassin controlled by Alexander Lucan. Lucan is a rogue KGB general, weapons dealer, and a successful businessman. Later, S.H.I.E.L.D. rolls in to investigate Red Skull's death. Captain America and his ex-girlfriend Sharon Carter team up to help with the investigation. Yeah, things are a bit awkward between them. Unfortunately, poor Cap isn't able to focus much. He keeps having flashbacks to World War II and his sidekick Bucky who died during the war. No, absolutely. And um, and of course, it, we can't cover this without also including Civil War into this because that, that kind of happened right, right in the middle of this run. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, on top of that, you know, kind of like when we, when we talked about the death of Superman, this was one of those events that got some actual mainstream news because Cap had died. Yeah, and um, uh, it, Joe Casado is really the face of that. Um, you know, not Ed Brubaker or Mark Miller or Steve Steve McNiven or um, you know uh, Steve Epting or anyone. It, it was all Casado. Now the skeptic in me has to ask: Is this just another way to sell some comics? Are we going to find out that he was taking a nap and this was all a dream? Uh, no, that's that's not happening. <laughs> uh, while the Captain America title will continue, uh, all I could say really to, to to our readers or to people who are looking to maybe pick up a comic for the first time is that this is also the beginning of a story because the Marvel Universe has had a Captain America in it since 1942. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be without a Captain America. But the question is, who becomes Captain America? Who takes over the mantle because it is a very very important role that's played in the marvel universe and that's really the the next story that we're going to tell is what happens in a world without captain america it really was yeah it's funny because he kind of came out of the woodwork a little bit <laughs> and so yeah. he was the one on the news uh for all this stuff but 
But yeah, like I said, so a lot of fond memories. And so I let's let's go ahead and destroy those fond memories now. <laughs> yes, please. Immediately. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, Brubaker started in uh, 2005 um, yeah. with this comic. And, I, you know, I, I uh, well, uh, let me just, so you recently went back and, and reread some of this stuff. What was your, what was your immediate takeaway? My immediate takeaway was, wow, I, I think I liked this more the last time I read it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was um, at least, you know, six or seven years ago was probably the last time I, I revisited any of this. And like, it is just, uh, oh, it's very muted. It's very, uh, I, to, to really uh, give everyone an idea, I, just reread this and so much of it just like melds together because mm -hmm. uh, so much of it is just like dark panels of uh cap with uh you know sharon carter just going different places and punching things yeah that's way too much of this run it's 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 very funny we, we talked about doing this and then i i think we both separately kind of went back and started rereading it and I have fond memories of this run, uh, very fond memories. And so when I picked it up, I was surprised at how, like, like I'm like, wow, there's some incredibly clunky stuff in here I didn't remember. And it was, and, and like you said, it was also, it was very dark. It, it was, it was the Zack Schneider <laughs> of Captain America. Yeah. Um, at, with, I, I like all the talents involved. I like Brubaker. I like Epting. I like, uh, I, I like these people. But yeah. I, I was surprised. This, this, this. I guess best way to put it, this is aged maybe poorly. Yeah, I, I would say this is aged. Uh, yeah, de definitely poorly. Uh, the way they handle uh, Red Skull through this run is a joke. It's it's, it's an embarrassment when when you read this. It's like they're trying to make him intimidating, but he's so goofy. Mm -hmm. And he's goofy and like aimless. Like he's just like, I want to do this. Like he, they keep acting like he has this like grand plan and he doesn't. He's just <laughs> sort of like, I need the cosmic cube for what? To sow chaos. Why? America bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the whole thing. And like when, when we talk about, you know, um, deconstruction and and these like deconstructed story arts what's weird about this run is while so much of it are like two to four part stories uh i feel like way too many issues just end with a couple of pages of the red skull just being like we're gonna do something eventually Lucan uses the Cosmic Cube to make a bunch of Nazi soldiers attack Cap and then disappear. But before he can question it, the cube gives Cap a vision of Sharon in trouble. So he flies to Philadelphia to save her with Cap in town. Yeah, the plan has an incredible slow burn uh, to it. And there's a lot of him like holding up wine. Like, yeah, uh, uh, evil. And then he holds up wine. And, <laughs> and like looking out windows and looking in mirrors. and Yeah, it, it's. I, I, again, I'm, and maybe we'll we'll kind of try and figure it out through the course of this. Um, sure. You know, this this was a good, I, again, I remember really enjoying this run, and a lot of people have fond memories of this run. I, I saw people talking about today as like the best run of Cap in decades. And 
and yet, like when you actually go and you try and dissect it, and maybe it's reading it all at once. Maybe it, it reads better if it's spaced out month by month. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, it's it's gotta right. <laughs> yeah, it, like it loops a lot. Like the the comics, like you just said, the the com you, you you hit the same things over and over and over again. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a lot of. Uh, I literally just opened that first omnibus to a page where Red Skull is looking out a window and drinking wine. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, and it's it's so much. It's so much of that. And like, um, you, you know, I I do get like right off the bat, they um, they, you know, uh, to add to the Zack Snyder, uh, uh the Zack Snyderification of, of Cap, they immediately open this book with like, just a a superhero that no one cares about being brutally murdered. <laughs> right. <laughs> With um, Red Skull and um, Alec, God, what's this? Lucan, right? I thought Lucan, Lucan. Larkin, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lucan, Larkin, whatever. And yeah. um, and it's this whole, like, uneasy, um, you know, alliance that Red Skull, this German, has with this Russian, and um, it's stupid. It's a stupid relationship because um, it never evolves. The entirety of that relationship is uh, just two guys that know they're going to eventually betray each other. The whole and that like openly talk about betraying each other constantly. Yeah, it's not <laughs> secret. It's 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 this uneasy relationship that never goes out of being. Uh, it just never evolves plus past uneasy. It's very. Uh, Megatron Starscream. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It's, it's very much that. Um, but that was a show to sell kids toys. And this was supposed to be like for an older audience reading cap, but it's written for a dumb kid who's supposed to buy toys. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's it, it, it is. It really is. I, I think, um, Part of the clues, I think, to this is the run that preceded it. Uh, and I think this is why I think a lot of people have good memories. You, you had Captain America die, get kind of reimagined by Rob Liefeld, come back, kind of was wandering around Tokyo, I think, as I recall, when he first showed up. And then he his comic was, was I don't know, the best way to put it was super aimless for like six years. <laughs> and it had a, a just a, like this revolving door of writers. You had Ryber, you had uh, you know Robert Kirkman was in there. You had um, God, you just you had this this collection of different writers coming in, and none of these stories really mattered. Gibbons was there. Um, I was trying to God, why am I? Uh, Chuck Austin was in there, did some some issues, and. A lot has happened. Like he's he's running around and he's doing stuff, but but nothing is going on in in this run, and yeah. it does not matter at all. And then Brubaker comes in and he he does have a plan. Like it it reads like there's a plan here, and and to me, I think it must have just felt re like relief to people. It's it, it must have because um it, yeah that and you had uh solid consistent art through the run. Like, yes. Yeah. And that really helps. But um, I think part of the problem with this is they were so busy crafting this like overarching plot that Cap just kind of loses his characterization. He has no personality. Right. 
He is just cap through this whole run is just I'm sad. The past. Stop Red Skull. And yeah. that's it. Like he doesn't like he's constantly like hanging out with his ex-girlfriend and there's zero chemistry. It's true. And, and it, like every panel I'm looking, I'm just, I'm looking at pages right now and it's like him and half his face is shaded and he's kind of frowning and he's looking down and he's, he's sad. He's having a sad cat moment. And then page after page after page of the exact same expression. And again, I like this artist a great deal. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And and the same thing with uh, Ed Brubaker. And um, I, I think it should be a good thing to imply that we like things Ed Brubaker did since then more. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's I, a good I, thing. I think so. I, I think he's he's gone and done some really good runs. Um, but but yeah, there's some clunky parts of it. And and not to reinforce the point, I'm just I'm flipping through pages and I keep hitting people looking out a window. <laughs> like here's here's Cap looking out a window. Here's a red skull looking out a window. They're glancing out the window. They're fondling a, a glass of wine again. It's like, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, and then it's just like, here's another uh, flashback to Bucky. Here's yeah. another flashback to Bucky. Here's another scene of Nick Fury just being like, I don't know about this, Cap. We got to stop the bad guys. And, <laughs> you, you know, it's just like... It's just him acting with like uh, Maria Hill and uh, sure, you know, and then just like setting up other stuff. Like, uh, I mean, w one of the things I think that really helped this explode out the gate was they tried to do a twist of uh, killing off Red Skull in the first issue, right? And, and I think that created a good amount of like buzz and people being like, "Oh, this is like okay," like I wasn't expecting that. Mm -hmm. and, like, don't worry, everyone. Red Skull's not dead. It gets a lot dumber than that. <laughs> it, uh, it is, but it goes. I think a lot of sins get forgiven if it feels like you have a plan. And if you're reading this monthly, and it's like the the book, I, you you mentioned this comment about the art. Yeah, the artists were almost. I, I think there's a dozen artists. Everyone from Chris Backlow to Jay Lee to random people you've never heard of, all different styles. And so you get here, you get kind of a consistent art approach. You get a story that that's got the red skull. It's a villain we recognize. It's not Cap doing some random thing in some weird country that nobody's heard of. And it's uh, well, I guess we get some of that too. But uh, but we, we, yeah, we got a little bit of that. But um, an odd thing too about this run is it pulls a lot from uh, the Roger Stern John Byrne run from eighty eighty one. Yes, it's uh, which is interesting because it's that was only nine issues. But you had like a very similar uh, anniversary style issue in this run. This was the 65th anniversary instead of the 40th in uh, Burn and uh, Roger Stern's run. You have the start of the whole like my memories have been tampered with mm -hmm. uh, in in that uh, Stern Burn run, um, and that was originally just done to retcon, I believe, Steve Gerber. Mm -hmm. wrote an issue that made no sense that just like came up with this whole thing like he grew up in maryland and yep. like, all this stuff that was never there and contradicted everything before it and, and comics at the time you know like uh roger stern was editing the book and and basically was like well there's no time to change it so 
we have to draw it and get it to print. So like knowingly putting out comics that contradict continuity, which mm-hmm. uh, I, I think people forget that, that w- there was like a time where that was a thing where it's like, yeah, we know we, we screwed up, but like, we don't got time. We got to get these books out. Yep. <laughs> and, sure. you know, it's, and there was no sense of uh, collecting these again or anything like that at the time. You, you know, they they could selectively reprint floppies, and uh, if they like something, they didn't have to reprint it. Yeah, it just it just vanished from memory, and it was fine. Yeah, so so you have um, they they had that element in, uh, which comes up a lot in this because Cap keeps going like I don't remember these things, and I'm having these weird dreams, and it's like my memory of Bucky, and like there's there's a lot of that in here, mm-hmm. and um, you also have uh, the whole bit where they bring back a bunch of the invaders characters there's a uh, union jack and um Spitfire. Spitfire. uh they uh visit uh toro's grave y- you know so so you have it, it's it's interesting because um worn remembrance is uh, the name of the collection that has all these issues is one of the best cap things i've, I've ever read mm-hmm. and uh this is not no, it's it's um you know it's funny even the kind of cheesier stuff that Captain America did back in I don't know if this would be the eighties or nineties with like the the Bloodstone uh, crossover that it did it's 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 not a a work of art but it's still it's there's a timeless just kind of fun adventure quality to it and I think it holds up better than this I I agree because also Cap has a personality. Like yeah. uh, when, when Stern was writing him, it was very like, um, oh, you know, like they're doing a lot of goofy stuff. Like they made it so he's a freelance artist, uh, yep. you know, to explain how he can just drop everything and go do stuff because he doesn't have a nine to five. But um, but yeah, he was like happy and nostalgic. And um, they introduced that. um What was her name? Like uh, Betsy Rosenthal. I'm trying to think of her name, but they, they introduced that love interest yep and um you know like uh she comes over and he's like playing old records and she's like oh you're such an old soul like you're you know like we got to get you some you know hip new wave music or you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff but like uh you know it's it's interesting it really develops the character of, of captain america that we don't get here cap at no point in the 40-something issues I read to get ready for this, has anything close to fun? No, he just, he kind of, he walks from one moment to another. He's weighted down by everything. Now, this run did give us the return of Bucky and the Winter Soldier, and that was seen as a pretty good positive move by Marvel of bringing a character back to life in a new and original way. Steve confronts the Winter Soldier. Bucky? Is that you? Uh, I don't know you, bro. Later. Yeah, the the way they did it works fine. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's a retcon that like it doesn't feel like an insulting retcon though. Yeah, like, it's, it doesn't. It's not as bad as say, um, it, you know, bringing Colossus back. Right. Uh, the way that they did in Astonishing X Men, which I, I enjoy that run, but that was stupid. I 100% agree. Yeah. It was it, that whole thing where it was like, oh, we brought Colossus back, and then the aliens just being like, oh my God, we resurrected the mutant that's destined to destroy us. Like, 
Um, that that's another thing. Like, go back and reread Astonishing X Men because that's also aged poorly. <laughs> it, it totally has. Yeah, that that that's our next video. We should. <laughs> we we should. I I love Astonishing X Men and also it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I I well we'll, we'll get onto it. But I mean, in, <laughs> yeah, okay. We shouldn't we shouldn't do it now. But there there are some painful moments, and I I picked that one up yesterday and was just looking at it, and it's like, what what the new Hellfire Club? What the f is this? And, and then that. <laughs> Well, like there is some dumb stuff in there, but yeah, anyway. all we wanted to do was to fly. Yeah, <laughs> there's some odd. So this this run. So the other thing that struck me is is this issue, and I, I you know, I'm looking at the originals. Uh, I actually was able to dig out of a box pretty easily. Nice. And what I'd forgotten about is in the midst of the Winter Soldier uh, storyline, the arc. That was a pretty major one. I mean, arguably was the major one of his run. Yeah. Um, we get to part two. And then before we get to part three, we get a House of M crossover issue just kind of inserted there in the middle. We sure do. It's like issue 10, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's weird because um, it, it's very disruptive. It is. And it has nothing to do with anything, really. I mean, it's 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 another retelling. It's I guess it's Captain America getting old, but it's it's not like there's there's nothing positive of this issue. <laughs> like this issue does not matter to anything. No, it, it doesn't. And uh, another, it's like you know we'll we'll get into it more with with Civil War, but everything House of M does that's probably good in terms of just like actually putting out an event civil war does like the opposite where like house of m you can just read house of m and all the tie-ins do something that like you know like they fit into the event in some way but you don't need to read the tie-ins right to understand house of m civil war it feels like they're just not they're constantly omitting incredibly important information <laughs> yeah no you, you really can and i think that was one of the first marvel events to just really kind of just vomit all over this idea of you know yeah yeah you don't have to read all the issues it's like that that's just a lie <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like yeah so, so you're having this with the winter soldier and the way they bring him back um i guess probably the first time uh, i read this was a little you know, again, like those those sort of rose-colored glasses, but like reading it now, it's like they're showing their hands like obnoxiously the whole time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah the, the suits have been laid. Let's just put it that <laughs> They stop short of Cap just straight up saying, I feel like all of these dreams mean that Bucky's around somewhere and I have to find him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, and then you had the nomad issue uh, before that, yeah. where he gets shot, and uh, you know, there, there, there's just there's a lot here. I mean, all the it it, it was very very telegraphed uh, the entire time. Yeah, it was telegraphed. It's weird because Bucky coming back was telegraphed, and they kept like telegraphing that Red Skull was up to something, and. I guess the master plan was to have a stupid giant robot break things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
which was like I I can't believe how stupid that was. In terms of the Red Skull's plan, I mean, we've seen the Red Skull with a plan of rewriting reality. We've seen him uh, put red nerve gas over the Mount Rushmore, and this was a giant robot plan. Yeah, this was a like ripped from the Silver Age. I was waiting for the Fantastic Four to show up in the Fantastic Car and punch this robot. Yeah, and uh, it's and they and this is something else they like telegraphed in the anniversary. Uh, Oh my god, I'm getting mad all over again. <laughs> it's um in the the anniversary issue. It's uh they got a I forget the artist on it, but it's like different artists and all this and like the whole point of the issue was like, you know, Hitler and the Red Skull have this master plan to get a giant robot mm-hmm. to defeat the allies. And it's yeah. it's uh really it's insultingly stupid. It's and, a, a Gundam fans, you know. Yeah, exactly. And like, I love Gundam. Don't don't get me wrong. Uh, <laughs> Gundam's one of my favorite things. I love how openly the creators hate Australia in Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. And, and I feel like that goes over a lot of like American fans' like heads. It's like, no, they hate Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's a whole other video topic about all the things uh japan in general hates um <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, australia's up there but uh so you you mentioned more so so you, as, as you're going through this run um a lot is definitely telegraphed for sure yeah um including ultimately that bucky's going to become cap uh that well well actually before we get to that so then I guess it's important to go into civil war because Brubaker's doing this run. He'd been interrupted for house of him already on issue 10 and what civil war was about issue 20, 22 or so. Yeah. Right. Right around that. It might've been 21, but yeah, it's right then. Yeah. And Brubaker's um, I think, you know, getting to this whole plot of, of bringing uh, the winter soldier back to life, having, that kind of that that all play out uh, with Cap and the Red Skull's got something going on and there's intrigue with Nick Fury and Sharon and everything else, and then along comes because um, comes Miller, and Miller is going to suck the entire Marvel universe into Civil War. Our story begins with a group of teenage superheroes called the New Warriors who've decided to turn their crime-fighting escapades into a reality TV show. But one of their fights goes horribly wrong and leads to a giant explosion that kills hundreds of men, women, and children. This catastrophe shocks the entire country, and public opinion of superheroes takes a turn for the worst. Angry mobs demand an end to all superheroes and beat up the Human Torch. One mother who lost her family in the disaster confronts Tony Stark for enabling reckless super-powered vigilantes. Tony is deeply affected by her words, forcing him to question the role of superheroes in the country. The government introduces a new law called the Superhuman Registration Act, which would give every superhero three options. Option one, reveal your secret identity, join S.H.I.E.L.D. as a government-sponsored superhero, and do whatever the government says. Option two, quit being a superhero and find another day job. Option three, become a wanted fugitive. Yeah, and um, it's it's very bizarre, because like I figure Brubaker was probably about a year and a half into his run before they were like, you know, maybe a little, maybe more like issue 15 or like whatever it is before they were like, yeah, we're just going to kill Cap. Yeah. You know, your Eisner award winning series that's gotten you all of this acclaim and has uh, made us look better. We finally figured out the formula to make Cap work and we're going to kill him. 
And what's funny is in, in my this is my back kind of crazy memory. I remember thinking, oh, this must have been the plan all along that Brubaker was going to kill Cap and they were weaving this into civil war and all the rest. But then recently going back and rereading it, it feels pretty clear to me that's not the case. Oh like, yeah, no. And um, if anything, Iron Man was more lost in the woods at this point than than Cap. Like Iron Man would have been the character to kill off and try to figure something out to do with. Sure. Like oh, you 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 figured out Cap. Like it doesn't make any sense. It would be like if they brought Quasar back now and figured it out and Quasar's selling a hundred thousand copies a month and they were like, you know what? Let's just kill Quasar. Exactly. <laughs> you had a very success you had a successful run with sales and you had um, you know the spy thing is working for fans. Yeah. And I, I think it, it ages badly, but generally it, it is you know, it's working. And yeah. then and then we get Civil War. And Civil War is kind of the Marvel template event that would become how all the events are forever. Yeah, uh, to the detriment of uh, fans and retailers everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You know, but like, I, I can't stress enough too that like w when we're saying this about Cap, like it is rare to get a both critically acclaimed series that also sells gangbusters. And that's where this book was at a year or so in. You're like, you're absolutely right, actually. And and uh, yeah, we uh, you gotta underline that because it is it, it does rarely go together. In fact, it's usually one of the complaints against uh, the Eisners or some of the awards is that they tend to be divorced sometimes from sales. But this title was one of Marvel's top selling books and, and had that critical acclaim. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know for a fact uh, that some books have gotten Eisner nominations like out of spite, like that sure. the judges were just like, let's let's mess with Marvel. Like, oh, Marvel wanted to cancel this book; it's getting a nomination. Like, oh yeah, those are things that happen. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah, no, it, it for sure. I, it, it definitely and it, it comes across that. Way. But this is yeah. Marvel, um, who had been lost. I mean, again, the the big historical context here is that the 90s came, Marvel made a huge amount of mistakes. The issue was, the, the, the company was lost a bit. They're heavily reliant on the X-Men and kind of various extreme type things. Yeah, um, They do Heroes Are Born and and they, they get the image guys briefly back to do that. It does sell very, very well, but again, the quality of the books is questionable. And as we end the 90s, it's kind of by and large all over the place. Yeah. And and so this was one of the and then they do Marvel Knights and that's kind of how Joe Q came into the mix and started to kind of get his legs out from under him. But still, the Marvel as a general is is still recalibrating. Yeah, uh, ab absolutely. And and Joe Q did some incredible things that uh, really helped get that company back on track. Yeah, and the ultimate uh, universe is is at this point had I believe was going. Uh, yeah, it was going. I, I think that's how they got Mark to to do this. I think Ultimates was doing really well. Yep, and it was like, okay, well, let's bring Mark in to to you know, let's get Mark's magic into the main universe. Yep. And so it, we get this set up, and we get this comic, and um, you and I both read the original pitch, which is um, pretty insane. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, he also originally wanted to like tie it into, was it Planet Hulk or World War Hulk that was going on? Uh, World, well, kind of both. Uh, it was yeah. definitely going to have World War Hulk, and it was going to have a lot more of the X-Men. And yeah. I mean, I, I, they were going to kill off like a bunch of 
of X-Men characters and uh, you, yeah, like and World War Hulk's there and there's another alien invasion that he wanted to do kind of as well. Like there, there was a, like Miller had no sense. Well, in many ways I read this and I kind of chuckle a little bit because it is the exact opposite of today's decompressed comics. <laughs> yeah, and um, you know, and also keep in mind with Civil War, um, you know, because we're probably going to get a little nitpicky. I know that might be shocking to people listening. Oh, yeah, it is. But, <laughs> um, but they were also nitpicky. They wrote, uh, like, Mark had to write eight drafts of the first issue script. Yeah. And, and there are so many, like, glaringly moronic things that happen in that issue that you think, like, eight, you know, eight drafts, you'd have, like, really tightened that up. But, like, this goes to this idea of... Um, you, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Tom uh, Redward, uh used this analogy talking about uh, Bill Jemis in an interview uh, a few weeks ago or so, maybe over the summer. Mm-hmm. It, it's this idea of you're, you're polishing a car and it looks perfect and you keep polishing until you go through the hood of the car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's, that's what Civil War feels like. No, it really does. And and some of the strangest um, things, like like the premise, of course, of Civil War is that there's an accident and somewhere between six to eight uh, city blocks are destroyed. Although, uh, from when we were talking earlier, I went to look in, in Wolverine and Wolverine kind of describes it as an entire town is destroyed. Yeah, it, it, but that's not true because uh, they said a maximum of like 800 people like it was like between 600, 800 casualties. And I think they landed on 800 because, you know, yeah. whatever. Like, why not round it to 1,000? It's a fictional world. Like, make it easy. Yeah. Why settle on 800? Yeah, absolutely. And and then um, they kind of go back and forth on, well, we need some emotional weight to this whole thing. And Miller is suggesting that um, they kill off uh, Happy Hogan's kid. And yeah. then it and, and Happy and Pepper's kid. And Joe Q's like, that's amazing. That's brilliant. You're really smart. And then uh, Brevoort's like, that's nice, but they don't have any kids. And you're like, well, what the fuck are we talking about at this point? <laughs> and then you get you get Brevoort kind of casually like, what if we just killed Happier Pepper? Why not? And then they're just kind of batting this stuff back and forth. But it it is a it is such a a strange thing because elsewhere in Brubaker's run, they're they're blowing up cities. Um, there's, yeah, uh, there's a horrible, uh, terrorist attack in Philadelphia. Um, oh God. And this is also so incredibly moronic. It's, um, they needed to have this explosion in Philadelphia to recharge the cosmic cube. Sure. And it was like, couldn't you just blow it up in a secure location that no one could find you because you're you know, uh, Alex Lucan slash Red Skull? You know, it's 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 accelerated gentrification is what they were doing there. Like, that it, it the- doesn't make sense. Or it's like, or if, if you needed to slaughter human beings, there are easier ways to do it than trying to have a terrorist attack in Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, it, none of this makes any sense. It, it's just, it's... You know, again, it's like all this overthinking to the point where none of it makes sense. No, and, and it 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 absolutely is, and it, and it's so you, we get this entire event built on this premise of um, you know some casualties, sure, 
but but again, you've got you've got much worse casualties than this happening on almost a regular basis in the other comics. I mean, yeah. European countries getting largely blown up, and like Doctor Doom's Latvernia is you know on a regular basis, you know, flying off into the sun or something, and. Yeah. This leads to Captain America's on the outs from the government, and then the, the fight kind of continues from there. Yeah, and this all really, met, like, out of nowhere in Brubaker's run. You're just reading it, and you're not skipping anything. You just go from one issue to the next, and suddenly it's like, Nick Fury disappeared, and we have a life model decoy that's uh, Nick Fury instead, and now Steve's on the run. Yeah. And you're just, it's so jarring. Like if you were just picking it up as each issue was coming out and let's say you weren't paying attention to civil war, you'd be like, what, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, no, it clearly, um, it, 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 at this point, again, I don't know why I thought it was different. It clearly was disruptive to what Brubaker was doing at the time. Oh, absolutely. And, and so we get into civil war and, and the, the sides fight and we get some of the, the strangest moments. Um, we get the, uh, the Reed Sue relationship, which is just handled bizarre. Um. Yeah. Um, so, God, it, it's so awful. But, um, you, you know, uh, some of the first stuff going on, like just right out of the first issue, I, I just got to go over how little this whole thing makes sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm jumping it, in. <laughs> no, no, no. You're fine. But, like, um, at no point does anyone express any sympathy for all of the murdered new warriors that's true yeah they're they're very sad about the kids and they're nobody really in fact if anything it's like the new warriors they have a bunch of dumbasses there blowing this stuff up but there's there's really no i mean you know in theory yeah it's like well that um i didn't think nitro could blow up like that and yeah there's, and there's no precedent for that there's no he's not using a special device it's just his normal power and if that's how he can act anyway why didn't he break out of rikers island earlier yeah i mean it was just in rikers he could have just blown up rikers <laughs> exactly like it, it didn't it doesn't make any sense they also never tell us if that new warriors reality show was canceled yeah um, no, it's, yeah. still, it's still on. It it just moved to like MTV four, and and at no point like the logical thing would be to turn against this show to be like this show was encouraging these kids and um you know get rid of the show and sue the network and and sue everyone involved with that. None of that happens or comes up. Yep, and and I get that that doesn't make for fun comics, but this doesn't either. Yeah, it, it 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 jumps. I mean, and and the the way the people immediately turn on everyone. You get this uh, this woman here who goes and spits on Tony, and that's going to kind of tip him over and be like, "Well, I, clearly this mom's upset, so you know we 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 need to do something major." And then then kind of random people are able to break a bottle over Johnny's head and knock him out, and uh, it, it's it's. There, the, the moments here are are absolutely bizarre in how it rolls out. It feels like they came up with scenes yes. and then put these scenes together. Um, the Watcher, apparently, all you people in Philly, 
Watcher doesn't give a fuck about you. Exactly. Uh, he, won't, he won't come down for that. But like, um, I don't believe he showed up um, for 9-11 in the Marvel Universe, which no. is canonical. It's, there's the Amazing Spider-Man issue where Doctor Doom and Magneto, Doctor Doom cries. Yeah. But no, um, that, well, that's, that's another Watcher. run you all love that's stupid. <laughs> Watcher always suspected that was fake, I think. It was, it was yeah, ex exactly. You know, it was an inside job, according to Watcher. Yeah. That's but, um, he's um Yeah, God, but um, it's the yeah the Watcher shows it's it it's completely nonsensical. Uh, Maria Hill like goes from like one to eleven and is just like very quickly in like two pages goes from Cap, you're working with us to like Cap. If you don't immediately say you'll capture all of your friends, we're gonna gun you down. Yeah, he he is that he is immediately. I mean, and it is over the course of two pages. Um, Maria Hill is suddenly telling. I mean, and, and the whole thing, and then Cap breaks out and surfs on a jet on a fighter jet. Yeah, Which, uh, check. Yeah, it makes sense. That um, <laughs> anyway, it it and then you go back to Brubaker's run, and it's kind of this very uh, almost too low key uh, Cap trying to investigate kind of some some government plots and other things and then here cap is working with the punisher yeah again like it's he's working with the punisher but he's not working with the punisher and like brubaker's run and like they're still like it it feels like they're not quite sure what to do with nick fury and brubaker's run like it's i don't i know how they're doing it it's now, I, I don't. You know, it's hard to tell for sure. You you hear these things, and you're never sure. But it it, it well, at least there was some word that uh, Brubaker was not super keen on Miller around this time period. Yeah, um, I've I've heard that too. And you you kind of get why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you could understand if that is true, uh, because the character. I mean, like Cap has written his personality is different. Everything is very different, and. Um, you know, it, it's just it's 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 a very strange bit all the way from Robo Thor to and I know this is one of your favorite scenes of all time, the funeral of Goliath. Iron Man leads Team Cap into an ambush disguised as a truce, but this plan goes horribly wrong when Captain America sucker punches Iron Man in the face. Things quickly spiral even more out of control when an evil cyborg clone of Thor, created by Tony Stark and Reed Richards, joins the fight and blows a hole right through Goliath. Goliath is the first casualty of this civil war, and his death leaves the entire superhero community in mourning and more divided than ever. That, if you're not just laughing uncontrollably, as they're burying a gigantic man <laughs> yeah. while playing it completely straight. <laughs> they never do explain exactly why they couldn't. They say we couldn't shrink him down, but I and mean. Trying to tell me that Mr. Fantastic doesn't have a shrink ray. <laughs> it's like, I, I think Hank Pym is here. Like there's plenty of people that could, could in theory take care of this, but no, instead they have cranes dumping this giant Goliath into a, a pit and like yeah. off his face. And I'm like, this is one of the worst, absolutely the worst visuals I think that, that they've done in comics. And then that gets followed up immediately by Sue coming to the realization that her husband is terrible and a monster. And the best way to address this is to leave her two small children with him and take off. 
Yeah, and um, oh, and at the funeral, I just have to add the uh, woman, because only one parent cares that their child was murdered at this uh, Stanford <laughs> incident. Um, she has this like line when she's talking to Tony about like, you know, it's not anyone's fault that like Goliath died. You wouldn't blame a cop for like shooting a punk. <laughs> and it's, it's like, this is a like, no matter what anyone, how anyone feels on on any of those issues, is not the point. The point is that is aged horribly. Yeah, the exact line: "If only he'd gone legitimate, he'd still be alive." This is no more your fault than a cop could be blamed for shooting a punk who pulls a gun on him. Like, yeah, and it's like, ooh. no, like actually, no matter how you feel about that, that is something you can be blamed for. You know, it's like it's. <laughs> And then she hands him a toy of Iron Man to remind him why it's good for him to arrest and hunt down most of his friends. Yeah, it's 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 so bad. It's again, like it's it's an embarrassing comic, and like so much of the stuff going on, again between issues, it's like every issue you read of Civil War, you're like, wait, did I miss the last issue? What what happened? It, it is. So it was pitched originally as 12 issues and they did shorten it down uh, supposedly for my, for budget reasons, um, which is uh, just hilarious. If, if you think about that, Oh, um, absolutely. but it is, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is a comic made up of scenes where they have, they, they, they're really confused how to get from one scene to the other, but it's like, we're going to have a, a kind of a comical scene where we're dropping a giant guy into a pit then we're going to have a scene of uh, Sue walking out on her kids. And then we're going to have Iron Man teaming up with, uh, you know, Bullseye and <laughs> Taskmaster and Lady Deathstrike. Um, sure. And, and, yeah. and so the whole thing, it, it is a very, very jarring read when you, and maybe again, the problem here is we're reading them all in one go and you really shouldn't read you, them. You, you absolutely shouldn't. But also, um, another thing I got to point out is how issue five ends, which uh, is incredibly cringy with uh, Daredevil somehow giving Tony Stark a silver dollar, even though he's uh, chained up. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how he got him the silver dollar. But um, he, he's chained up, and Tony's like, what's this silver dollar for? And then Daredevil goes, guess that's 31 pieces of silver you've got now, huh? Sleep well, Judas. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, that's a, that makes me think this is a joke. <laughs> exactly. This is like, that's like, did some like 14 year old write that on live journal? Like, while outside the portal to the negative zone, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent Maria Hill is about to end the conflict once and for all by trapping every superpowered person inside. To save everyone from being trapped, Cloak sucks up everyone in his, well, Cloak, and drops them right in the middle of New York City. Now the fight gets superheated. Namor and his Atlanteans decide to help Team Captain America. Vision and the Captain clobber Iron Man. Spider-Man clobbers Mr. Fantastic. Hercules clobbers Thor. Captain America stands over Iron Man about to deliver the final blow when a bunch of emergency service workers jump in to stop him. Hey, I'm trying to save the day here. Oh. Captain America realizes he's done more damage than good. He makes everyone stop fighting and turns himself in to be arrested. So Iron Man wins the day and becomes director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Captain America gets assassinated, but comes back to life in another story arc. Oh yeah. my God, that's embarrassing. And that's followed immediately by the 
issue six, which is like way too much Namor. Yeah, I mean this. This is like uh, Sue is Sue is absolutely getting some down in Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Franklin to walk in at that moment and uh, block the whole thing? But it is uh, it, no these. I, it, it was issue is from that funeral on that things got stranger and stranger. Um, you know the the Punisher showing up, Captain America being like, yeah, okay, this this checks out. Let's go ahead and do this. Um, you know, Cap telling Luke Cage to be quiet so he can think. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of stuff in here that is, wow. Yeah, and we haven't even, like, we're so upset about all these other things, we haven't even gotten to uh, Spider-Man revealing a secret identity to the world. Sure, sure. Which, um, which was, you can tell, was really thought out because he had to make a pact with Mephisto to change that one. Yeah, I, I, and and sort of a secondary subpact with Doctor Strange at some point, as I recall, too. Yeah, and, yeah I, I the amount of kind of immediate let's reverse what we just did stuff that happened in Civil War. Um, I, yeah, I, I mean, all kinds of crazy. I, I do love yeah. uh, one of my my favorite scenes is uh, Reed is talking to She Hulk as they're arresting Daredevil, and they're casually talking about what it's costing them. They're like, "Oh man." And then, you know, old Hank is completely doped up on antidepressants. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> just casually rolling this out. It's like, whoa, you know. <laughs> and then um, all of the effects of, of registration just kind of peter out of the universe until we get to Siege. And then uh, Steve Rogers uh, comes back from the dead, spoilers, yeah. and is uh, leading S.H.I.E.L.D. and just goes like, eh, let's just forget registration. Yeah, it's 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 a new administration. They're going to focus on on walls and not registration. Yeah, and it's like it just it emphasizes how little this was thought out and how there was no real this event lingers for years and then just peters out when they're just like, "Ah, eh, we just repealed the law." Yeah, we're tired of it, it now. It reminded me of that Simpsons episode Homer versus the 18th Amendment. Yeah, yeah. That's a where they're just like, "Oh, uh forget it." Let's just let's just bring booze back to town. It's it's uh, it's I don't I'm trying to see if there any character that actually acts like like they're supposed to. I mean, Jennifer Walters at various points is advocating for no trials. Um, the the Falcon. It just everybody is is wrong. <laughs> every, everyone is wrong. Um, the the way this all ends is uh, Cap's about to like punch Tony to death. Yeah. Like that's like the implication is he's about to punch Tony in the face until he's dead. Yeah. And then he's stopped by a hodgepodge of one of every kind of first responder. Yeah. In what is easily one of the more embarrassing moments in this book. This and is that, that this is now there's a lot of people who do videos about things that are cringe. This is cringy because you do have the potpourri of a, a, a nurse, a firefighter, an EMT, a policeman, <laughs> all tackling cap. Yeah, and then they're all just like, you have to stop this cap. Look at what's happening. And then you would think maybe Cap's gonna like regroup, or he's gonna go and like work out a plan, or like possibly work out a concession or a surrender. But instead, he just surrenders on the spot, um, possibly forfeiting the lives of everyone he was trying to help. Yeah, 
like uh, like a real leader. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. He he basically makes a decision for everyone. Sends his friends into hiding, dumps his mask, and and orders everybody to be arrested. Or <laughs> yeah, he's basically like, "Sorry for um, joining my side. Uh, rot in jail till you die." I guess. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and it it, it is the. It, it was a. It was such a weak ending. I, I don't know. I don't know if the, the solution to this would have been to let it go 12 issues, but I, I shudder to think what that would have brought us. <laughs> I, I don't know. And like, um, you know, we read the, uh, the cap tie-ins to this, obviously. Um, I read the Punisher tie-ins because um, okay. this was the Punisher relaunch. And, and the way they handle the Punisher in this also makes no sense. They, they randomly just decided that the Punisher can't bring himself to punch Cap but he's all about constantly betraying him. Right. With, uh, uh, what? <laughs> he can betray his trust. He can tell him something he's going to do and then not do it. But apparently Cap is the person he's idolized his entire life. And he, he won't punch him and he won't fight back and he won't betray Cap. And he'll carry on in Cap's legacy to some I mean, it, it, this, was, this was the start of, uh, as well of a very long and terrible run of The Punisher. Yeah, it's um, again. It's it's like a joke. It's like they didn't care. They were just like, oh, who cares? Like we're we're gonna arbitrarily get like if they didn't add the needless bit about Punisher being unable to punch Cap, you might have been able to just go with it. But yeah. but making it so he can't punch Cap but can constantly betray his trust, like it, it's it's mind boggling. It doesn't hold up to scrutiny at all. It it absolutely doesn't, and I think it's um, there's so many weird character moments. I, if you read this issue and you just look at a couple pages at a time, you get some really nice splash pages. The art is quite nice in, in places, yeah. and um, you get some really some cool stuff. Um, but none of it linked together makes much sense at all. And then it did give us what was to to me the dumbest aspect of the Brubaker Cap Run, yeah, because now he's in jail. Civil War has ended, and they've got to kill him. Yeah, because um, and yeah, and I do want to stress with like Civil War, it was a it was a sales boon for Marvel. Oh, yeah. So like we can complain about how it's stupid, but like they're like Marvel's laughing all the way to the bank. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and you that's know? that's a tough thing that I, I wish more people would would come to. Re- you know, you can dislike something and groan and be. You know, and 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 I did many times reading this, but still, if you were in charge of Marvel or a shareholder of Marvel or even want their success on any level, you would be really thrilled they did this event. Yeah, they should be proud of the fact that they came up with an event, uh, which, first off, you know, Steve McNiven doing the art and consistently the same quality each issue. Yeah, it, it, the art stays gorgeous the entire time. Um, there's no fill-in artists, none of that. Um, yeah. Even though there were some delays with the book, um, it, it they kept that consistent. Uh, it's one of the only times they have done a line-wide type event like this that seemed to boost the sales of any book they slap Civil War on. That's right. Yeah, you know? And uh, and that's that's no joke. That is a near impossibility in comics to do something like that. 
it was a major success. And I think from a business standpoint, it was brilliant. Um, yeah. it, it, it was, it gave them the template for then what Marvel would do for the next, uh, whatever we are at 15 years and counting, not quite about, that. No, not quite, but yeah, about 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and presumably we'll keep doing for the next 15 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, and, and it was something. And, um, this is a Herculean task. And, and we can, like, it's, it's easy for us to sit back and, and be like, you know, what are they thinking there? This and that. But, like, sure. to, to imagine, you know, people like Joe and, and Tom having to coordinate with literally, like, at least a dozen writers on, yep. on different books to make sure everything lined up to keep the books coming out on enough of a schedule that things would make sense as they're coming out. That's no small feat at all. It is. You're absolutely right. And it is um, because this comic had a lot of, of moments. It was, it was a collection of moments kind of strung together in a story. It meant that if the comics went out in the wrong order, it would be pretty disastrous. And I think there was one, kind of slip in one area, but by and large, the, the, you had tons of issues tying into this and things came out you know, without spoiling what was happening the next week and and more or less, you know, on track. And, and like I said, that that is something that people dismiss, but would have been incredibly difficult to do. A absolutely. Uh, I know like uh, one of the first live streams I, I did with you talking about like it's a miracle that any comic comes out at all. Yeah. Like, this this civil war was the miracle of miracles. Oh, for sure. You know, yeah. and and the fact that not only did it come out, it boosted the sales of basically every book they slapped civil war on, and the sales, uh, I believe, went up for for issues of, of civil war. Like it started high. And then it actually gains sales as it was going. That is true, and that you can count the series that have done that on really one hand. It's it's incredibly rare in comics. Um, in the last five years, I think there's been only one series that has done that, and it is it is really rare for that to happen. And and so it's magical from a publisher when they see that going on. It is a cause for celebration. Uh, it's and of course it makes sense why Marvel would then say this is how we're going to do events from now on with tie-ins and, and everything else we're just going to copy this format because it was so pow powerful for them A absolutely and then um and then uh in the grand tradition of, of the death of superman uh cap goes out in, in uh the issue right after civil war uh you know fighting for freedom for everyone in a big fisticuffs against uh giant monster and saves millions of people. That's what happens, right?